When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's what's going on, people? This is talking with got the homie Amadi in here. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good to be here. Frankly, you, you know, we were supposed to do this. Actually, listen, listen to me. I, <laughs> we didn't do one last week, so I've kind of forgotten the flow because this, this is a relatively new show that we're up to. So I start all of these with the same two questions: Who do you support? Chelsea. And what country or countries do you support? Senegal. Only Senegal. I mean. Ah. Senegal and U.S. men's national team, I guess. Okay, okay, okay. But Senegal for this. Senegal first. Um, where did you grow up? New Jersey, mostly. Some parts of, of which were spent living abroad, playing soccer, youth soccer, you know, so I'd be gone for, I don't know, six to eight months at a time. My father was very invested in doing that. I did not appreciate it at the time because I was a little idiot, but it did provide me with a, an exposure and, I guess, an appreciation of, things that were international, things that were not necessarily just those close to home. Does not, not doesn't mean I didn't like growing up where I grew up. I rep Jersey hard. At the same time, I was exposed to a lot at a young age, and I feel like that's benefited me a lot. So, An interesting thing that I didn't realize would be a consequence of starting this is a lot of the people I want to talk to have, if not professional careers, then fairly deep amateur careers. So so how, how far did you go? I went as far as... So I guess every summer I'm playing, you know, either in Italy, Mexico, playing these tournaments, you know, at the time it was very much the mere fact that I was involved in this, bro. Let's be real. My my parent, my dad, this was a major investment. You know, you have to know in America, pay to play is a thing. It's even more a thing trying to join these international camps as an American. That was a privilege I had that I did not appreciate. But my father must have been shouting out, dole, bro, let's be real. So, <laughs> on top of that, my chances of making anything out of it was was extremely low and i think that had i not had i known that i don't think i would have been as invested in getting better and training and doing all the you know the monotonous stuff that that comes with getting better at something you know like really putting your time into it so i played in senegal uh for us wacom after playing in senegal i came back and, and finished up university undergrad and played in the nescac for connecticut college i also played uh for suffolk university when i was abroad in Dakar. Uh, and yeah, I, I had a bad knee injury when I was playing for Senegal. My mom called me and she said, what are you going to do if you don't have an education and you get injured? And I did not have an answer to that question. So <laughs> I came home. I brought my ass home, bro. And that that was the end of that. And then I was just playing college soccer in the Northeast. But I'm ha- I'm actually happy the way it turned out. You know, Without the injury, do you think you could have made it? I think I could have made something. Man. I think I could have <laughs> at least been playing in the West African leagues, if nothing else. And that would have been, which, that would have been good enough for me. Which, okay, let me guess. I'm going to guess that you were like a DM. Wow. No, that's not me, though. Okay. who? What, what are you? When I was younger, I played striker. But as I got older and I developed my, my technical skills and I had the stamina, I could play box-to-box. And that's what I best, was best at. Which, which player in today's game best encapsulates how you would want to see yourself? Wow, that's... Tough question. I think peak Ruben Loftus cheek. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> I mean peak, bro. Like the foot skills, the the awareness, the vision, the mm-hmm. speed, the power. I'm talking all of that. 
Okay. That's peak right there. That'd be at my, at my best, definitely. Got the light skin thing going on. I feel you. Yeah, you know, okay. We, there, we, we, there, we, we weren't going to say that. <laughs> we weren't going to mention that, but, you know, okay. All right. What made you start supporting Chelsea? Keep in mind, I'm going to I, – I was at the AC Milan training center. I was at the, you know, Marseille training center. I was at seeing all these – these professional players doing what they're doing, driving their Ferraris, whatever they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I was in awe. I was a kid. I was 13 years old at the time when I started first, first started supporting Chelsea. And my dad said, because he knew I was going to pick a team. Keep in mind, he's a Bayern fan. Never once tried to push that on me, but he's a Bayern fan. He tells me, pick a team to support. Don't pick a front runner. Research the history of the team you want to support and make sure that it's worth your while. Make sure that it's, you know, something you would, you, you, are, you think is interesting. You can't just pick the team who's winning right now. And he's like, and it has to be a team that really appeals to you for a good reason. He's like, and then watch them, read about their players, learn about them, figure out, you know, do all of that. Immerse yourself. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. If you don't, you don't. And I started watching. That was 1998, bro. I was in France at a camp uh, from Jean-Michel Larquet, the coach of the French national team at the time. During the World Cup, we were all there, all the players, you know, from different parts of the world watching and supporting who they wanted to support. At that moment, watching Brazil, France, and then hearing the response, literally hearing people freaking out in the streets, honking their horns, losing their minds about the French winning the World Cup, being in the country at the time made me like I, I couldn't I couldn't understand I didn't understand it best until then. And I was like, wow, that's fandom. That's like, you know, live and die with the team. Stop your car in the middle of the road to, to celebrate a win, like stuff like that, where like you lose your mind about it. I want that. I want that for me. Were you in Paris? I was in uh, Saint-Jean-de-Luz in the south of France, very, like right by okay. the Pyrenees. It's this huge soccer complex that they were using at the time. When they, when they put uh, Zidane on the Luc de Triomphe, like they had his face, like Zizou, yep. president, yep. like that yep. kind of, like yep. they went nuts. They went nuts, bro. I mean, and I understand it. I mean, at that moment, I understood it. And I was like, I want that. I want to be able to feel that for a team, you know? Marcel Desailly was on Chelsea. He was on France national team. I really liked him. And I was like, yo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start supporting Chelsea. I researched their history. I was like, bro, okay, I'm with it. They're not that great. They've had their, you know, moments. They've won a couple things, but they haven't won the title in like like 40-something years. Like, I was like, all right, word. That became my team. Started watching them every time. And think about this, bro. I'm watching VHSs of, of season recaps. This is, this is 1998, bro. There's no YouTube. There's no YouTube highlights, bro. You can't watch your favorite players duking people out, bro. So I'm, I'm literally go, doing research. I'm at the library. I'm using their whack internet. Like I'm bro, I did everything I could. I did everything I could to get my eyes on anything about the team. First off, did your father play or was he just really invested in trying to do do yeah, as much played, as he could he, to make you a footballer? He played too in Germany, same thing as me. But then he started playing rugby and he liked it, he liked it way oh, more. Wow. Until he broke three ribs. So like you know. Ooh. Yeah, that was that was his last last the last thing he tried. <laughs> but yeah, um, he, he was very invested in it. When he told you to do your research, how deep did that research go? Did you just look at the players or did you look at like club culture as well? I didn't know about how black people in England see those teams or that team in particular based on their history. I can't even give it a pre, just based on their <laughs> like their yeah. club culture. So like, did, did your research go that deep or was it just purely on the pitch? I still have the book. It's so funny. Like I have a book called complete book of soccer by mm -hmm. kyle Rote jr and it has a forward by basil kane but it's so funny that this is from 1978 keep your mind you know like this is american take on soccer right and i had that book and i still have it just because it reminds me of of not and not to not to rip on this kyle Rote jr guy but 
just the kind of naivete we had in, in the country at the time about the sport and the way we viewed it as as something that we could mold to be an American sport, like baseball, like football, like, like, you know, hamburgers, suburbans, America. Do you know what I mean? Like that was never going to happen with this game. This game is too international. It's not something we can commodify and make, you know, something we can have seventh inning stretches and huge ads. There's 45 minutes and then there's 45 minutes. And mm -hmm. like the purity of that, I think escaped America for a long time. The beauty, the, the, the kind of the beauty of the game of football really escaped America for a very long time. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean to like point, you know, look down on anybody. I think that people have to come to the sport in their own way. But for me, having that book and then going and doing the research and, and finding out and watching and seeing how differently the game was played and how even just watching those tapes, my own level of skill improved, you know, mm. watching, watching, because, you know, at the time they were just starting to do, uh, what do you call it? focusing on certain teams. Manchester, I watched Manchester United TV in, in 2000 because I knew that they would show Chelsea games and because I knew that that was one of the few teams who had full-on coverage of their games and would be broadcast. I, I was mean, just but, about to ask, how were you watching, uh, outside of VHSs, yeah. in the early 2000s, how were you getting football? Because streaming wasn't yet a thing. Streaming was not so, a thing. So you either had to be paying like for Satanta Sports. Satanta Sports and... <laughs> And and R E, you remember RAI? I don't remember RAI. RAI is an Italian channel. However, it was broadcast just particularly on Saturday and Sunday mornings um, on the one channel that we had. I lived in the New Jersey area at the time, so the one channel that we had that also was kind of international that had French stuff on it sometimes. But this channel RAI would play uh, Syria A. Mm. And nineties or early two thousands. Late nineties, early two thousands, like oh, right so the good stuff. The good stuff, man. <laughs> the really good stuff. And you know, my buddy, he's got a lived right by the school, so we would sneak out and watch Manchester United TV in the morning Aww. because we knew that they had highlights from eleven to one. Mm. So, like, I mean, dude, I, did, I would do everything. I did everything I could. I got it was basically I had a, had a mixture because not everybody had any of that content. Sometimes you'd find a, you'd be lucky enough to get a game on ESPN if it's you know a big competition, but. It was at the time. It was so difficult, and I'm like it's, I feel like such an old man saying this, but like no, know, no, kid, no, it's true. Like let the kids know. now. Now the kids, the kids now. You can just go on YouTube. You can stream whatever you want. Someone's streaming it. Someone somewhere <laughs> is streaming it. You watch someone somewhere, even if it's illegal. It's, it's even online. if it's illegal, someone somewhere is streaming. It's online, bro. The game you want to watch is online. You can find it. I'm trying to watch a Chelsea game in 2003, 2004. Oh, you couldn't, bro. That, bro you know what's kind of wild. From 2004 to 2007, I lived. That's when I moved full, like full on to Senegal, and I lived there, played there, everything. That was like the peak. You know, I was what I was 18 years old. I was able to watch more football and in better quality there than my friends at home were able to watch because it's just simply the focus. Yeah. Any of the channels that we had in Senegal, which were mostly French and or local channels, were playing that. You could watch that. You could watch the same game on three different channels if you wanted to, because mm -hmm. that's what matters to people. And it's kind of interesting that. You know, while I was struggling to see those games at home, even then, you know, in 2003, I moved to Senegal and I can watch them all whenever I want. So what's your favorite memory of just watching those early Chelsea years? Maybe even pre Abramovich. Oh, bro. bro, I'd say the Cup Winners' Cup. Oh, yeah, the win at the San Siro. I mean, all the, I mean everything. All the, the, everything from that moment. Because at the time, we, we were nothing. And it was great to have small wins. Small wins were big wins. Everything, everything that we could do to even be in a cup competition 
challenge team beating Liverpool in 2003. Pre, this is before our big boom, just to make it into the Champions League, just to make sure that 2004 would happen. You know, it yeah. was a 2002-2003 season. Those performances where we would stick things out by being tough and hard-nosed. We weren't really in mo- the most technical team. Sure, we had the Zolas, and we, Joe Johnson was there as well at that in the early uh, 2000s. But we weren't the most technical team. We were hard-nosed. We, we, beat, we grinded to wins out. And just that feeling of being an underdog sort of um, really kind of propelled my fandom forward. Mm, have, have Hope has a similar story in that way where he's like, you know, yeah, Chelsea would go from beating Manchester United 4-0 and then the, the next week they'd lose to a Dean Windass brace like you didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that, that perfect middle ground is, is where Chelsea were. So I didn't even know this would go here. But what do you remember when the money came? You must. And how did that feel? I, I didn't understand fully what it meant to have an influx of, of cash like that. I knew that you could buy players and, and you know, I didn't, I don't think I fully understood what it meant for a team to be able to top to bottom, completely revamp itself, new training facility, better players, higher wages, more players, world-class coach, lots of press, like all these things that were not the norm for Chelsea. And then flat out winning the season, winning it again. Like all the hype that surrounded the team after, not even after Abramovich bought it, but after Mourinho was announced, that was, uh, I remember feeling just almost, almost like we were unstoppable. You know, it was that, it was that feeling that we had never, that I had never experienced as a fan in the previous six years, you know, all of a sudden this team has so many of my favorite players, Drogba, Essien, Mikel, all these African players. And I'm sitting there with my, the, my, my Nigerian roommates and we're looking at this team. Like we, we absolutely love this. Like, yes, let's go. You know, like Jeremy, all these players, like, <laughs> And my buddy, my buddy, this is so funny. My buddy actually goes to me. He texts me all the time, make Chelsea black again. (laughs) Like when it was like straight up, it was, it was Galas, Jeremy, Alex, I think in the back. And then Makalele in midfield. Makalele in the midfield. And then Essie in the second year. Mikel. Kalu, Drogba. Kalu. Maluda. I don't, Maluda, I don't know when exactly Maluda came, but he was there. Yeah, and then Ashley Cole, obviously. Ashley Cole, duh. Yeah, 2006 <laughs> is when Maluda came. 2006. Yeah, but bro. And then Ashley Cole was 2007? Yeah, seven or six, one of those two. But it might be six. You're right, yeah, you're right. But either way, bro, like Chelsea, I mean, my buddy. That's one of my Chelsea's... best birthday gifts ever. August ah. 31st. Like, they bought him for $5 million plus a guy who was threatening to score own goals. <laughs> That's the, oh my god! Oh my god! Ah, from Arsenal, so that was so good. Cash, yeah. call him Cash all you want, but greatest Premier League left back. I don't think there's a question. <laughs> so the the question here is: Do you? And this is very very tricky interviewing. Do you like Chelsea more now or then? Like, have you fallen? Maybe not out of love, but out of like. I my love for Chelsea began then. Back in 1998, my like the real love of it spawned. Then was nurtured over the years. The success that that Abramovich brought in, the influx of cash, the success that Mourinho and that that mentality of kind of like us against the world that he instilled in that team. That team full of leaders, by the way, team captains for their national teams. I don't know how many there were in that team, but everyone knows the six the or deal seven. With that. Six or seven or something like that. Yeah. Um, that went on to kind of be the core, I and mean, I mean, maybe people have forgotten that, but that that kind of sustained Chelsea and Chelsea fans for about a decade. 
so like culminating with the, the Champions League win, the Europa League wins, like then, and it was that core group that did it. You know, the Ivanovic scoring the winner in uh, against Benfica in twenty thirteen, Drogba scoring the winner against Bayern the year before, and then them making their exits. I still felt like that sort of identity of never say die was kind of like what what Chelsea wanted to be, and they just didn't have. They didn't have the players. They didn't have the mentality. They didn't have the managers. Whatever you want to say it is for those next years after that kind of core left, the Lamparts, the Drogba's, the Terry's. You know, 2016, we have this sort of resurgence under Conte. John Terry gets his final Premier League title, you know, with a you know very tertiary role. Um, but the players we had then, you know, the, the Hazards, the, the reason he joined Chelsea was because he saw that team in 2012, and he's like, I'm joining the Champions League winner, as mm-hmm. he said. And for me, the love of the team never really died. It was just the feeling of being invincible, the feeling of being confident, the feeling of being successful that we had sort of almost come to expect, even after those long years of of not winning things, it sort of died out. And Chelsea just became another team that might slip up, that they might have a bad day. They might end, they might they might end up tenth. They might, you know, like 2015, 16, <laughs> you know, just, just saying 2015, 16, 2017, 18. Like we just have these blips. And then we win a cup, you know. So like one of my friends put it best. I think it's Joe Tweeds on Twitter. He says Chelsea does chaos and trophies. That's what they do. You know? We have coaches being fired left and right. We have our greatest ever player, arguably. Coming back to coach the team, everybody loves him, and then he shits the bed apparently, and he gets sacked. And we were this, you know, ruthless, terrible, money grubbing team, like you know, ruining football. And we enjoyed it. We got people. We got even more insulated as as a fan base and community because of that. And now we don't feel like our. It doesn't feel like our armor is invincible anymore. Like it's like it looks played out. And then with the sale of the club. It's all almost culminating in this, not because of any outside pressure, in my opinion, but because the team was kind of an, it was always going to end this way, in my opinion. You know, it was great, great run, almost, almost twenty full years. The reason I moved, I don't know if you know this, I moved down to New York City in twenty eighteen to join Copa ninety. Uh, I started working for them. That's how I met Aaron West and worked with them. Jack Ramsey. I don't know if you know these people, but if you don't, you should. Big movers and shakers in the digital game, particularly in, in soccer in this country. In 2019, we had massive layoffs. Myself, Aaron, Jack, all these people who I knew were, I'm talking all-stars, bro, people who are making moves now, who are like either on TV or producing major stuff for soccer right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to find something. And something fell into my lap and it was working with Chelsea in the USA. So Chelsea FC in USA, you've probably seen their handle. I managed their digital content stateside. And when I when that opportunity fell into my lap, it was through Guilt Edge Soccer Marketing, who were based in Chicago. Uh, great guy, Scott Hutchinson, the guy who uh, runs it. He reached out to me and he said, I know you're a huge fan. I know you write. I know you've you know been porter for all these stateside events. I've seen your work. Are you willing to do this? And it's going to be a, like a full-time thing. You know, like it's going to be a lot of time. I was like, let's ride. But, you know, the, I loved it. I'm not saying I would ever change anything like that. I, my work is still up on the Chelsea website. I've put, you know, my work is still up on their, you know, social media, whatever. That's fantastic. It feels great to me whenever I see it. That's one side of it. Mm. On the other, the love that brought me these kind of this kind of a job, my my desire to be on social media, my desire to post, to write, to have this organic thoughts to share with people, it really just sucked the life out of that because it became too... I don't know how to say it. It became too formulaic. It became too much like a job. So whenever I'd go, even even on my own social media, I stopped posting. And I used to be pretty heavily on there. And that's what that's what you know. Those kind of skills were what made me good at my job. But 
the love for it, the desire to do it, the motivation, it just killed it for me. With that, my desire to wake up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., watch Chelsea every weekend when I could maybe be watching, you know, hanging out with my son or something instead. Like, it's weird. Like, I don't, I don't have the same motivation anymore. But it's kind of interesting. Like, I'll still, I'll still catch the game come halftime. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know, I'll still turn it on and like, and then I'll like be mad at myself. But like, but that's the re- that's the reason. Like, I don't, I do want to be a fan. I don't want to force my my son into it. My dad didn't do it either. But at the same time, I do love Chelsea, and I'm I'm gonna always follow what happens, whether I watch the game or not. It's too late for me not to love the club. I just feel frustrated <laughs> a lot of the time. This weekend, the game was nine Eastern. Yeah. I was I'm going to sleep, man. I, I recorded the game and I watched it after the fact. Yeah. But that's that's again uh what we were talking about a few minutes ago. In 2007, if I knew there would be football Bro. on USA <laughs> channel, there's no I'm way there. I'm going to sleep. Like I'm, I'm there. there. I'm staying I'm up but early. This week I was just like ah, I need rest. Now now, now 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 maybe part of that is like okay, I'm not 17 anymore, I'm 31, so you know, rest yeah. is important. But yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know if this is like this for you, but something happens when you're older than the players. When I'm, when I'm 17 and Didier Drogba is maybe 29, 30, 31, it's like, bro, like, idol. Like, it's it's not, I don't want to say I worship them, but it, it does venture into that territory of deity. Bro, that is so accurate. There's something that, that's special about when you're just 15, 16, 17, 18, and those guys are just, I don't know, they're superheroes. You're right. I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, Funny, I say that it has a lot to do, but it still it can still ruin my day. You know what I mean? I see the yes. score. I was yes. I was I'm, I'm yeah, last week. I'm in I'm in Denver. I'm on a bachelor party with my boys. I'm having a good time. This is like a great time. You know, we're supposed to be enjoying ourselves. Everton. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm up early. I'm up early because I'm just, I'm always up early now because I got a seven month old son. But I'm up early. I walk downstairs to the lobby. What's playing in the lobby? Chelsea Everton. And I'm like. No, I'm gonna walk over and get some coffee. I'm not gonna sit down. I'm not gonna sit down. I'm not gonna sit down. And then I go get coffee and I sit down and I watch this whole thing and it ruins my day. <laughs> I'm on a bachelor party, bro. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like I, I talk like I want to, you know, I, I want to be okay with it and I want to not be so invested in it because you know I don't have the same feeling about it anymore. Yeah. But the reality is, if it's on, I'm gonna watch it, and if we lose, I'm gonna hate it. They have the capacity to make me angry. They yes. don't have the capacity to make me overjoyed. And that's that's the most infuriating part. Like losing to Everton when I watched it on the replay, it pissed me off. I felt more emotion with that than I did when they won the Champions League. Yep. And that for me is a bad place to be. That's that if something so, so, something can't get me really happy, but it can make me sad, it's really not healthy for me, bro. Like I shouldn't yeah. be doing this to myself, but that feeling of when you're a kid and you're attached to a particular thing, like you yes. can't let it go. And it's more than that. I think it's even. It's because I know we've reached those heights, and I say to myself, "This team is just like you know." It almost it's almost so futile to even think this way, but to remember the the past and the times that these teams were great, and, and the knee jerk reaction. Obviously, you see this on you're on Twitter. People are saying, "Oh, well, the Lampards and Terriers would never have stood for this performance." And it's like, bro, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Shut, like, shut up! Like, but Lampard and Terry are retired, bro. They're both coaching now. Like, they're losing. They lose too. Also, people forget DDA Drogba was one of the most frustrating footballers to watch. To watch because he would show up in big games. Yep. And you knew that guy is in there. All you have to do is let him out against Stoke and And Bolton. Bolton. Why aren't you the Arsenal dude 
in, against every other team. Yes. There's the reason this guy would score like seven goals in a Premier League campaign, but then in the Champions League, he's like top in Chelsea history. He yeah. showed up when he wanted to. Him falling to the ground. Like, it's like, get up. Yeah, you're, <laughs> like, you're like, much you're too big for so that. Frustrating, but, but people only look back at the good times. I lived through those times, bro. Exactly. I remember those times. You had to be there is one of those things. We'll come back to Chelsea in a second, but I, I do want to get to this. You were supposed to be on when Senegal won the AFCON. So I wanted to ask you, how was that? My phone, my dad's phone was ringing off the hook. Like <laughs> everybody I've ever, ever met, my fan members, you know, I had my uncle who's really big into football calling me, sending me messages, sending me photos, like people who were at the stadium, who are at the national, literally at the presidential palace, sending me videos you know what it's like people were stopping their cars taxi drivers standing on top of their cars the entire country bro i'm talking like on mass just I mean, think about that feeling like there were sort of those those sorts of celebrations but it just feels more organic to me to see people in senegal like no offense to americans obviously because i will celebrate i have celebrated the women's world cup wins and i celebrate when we win but just the, it felt so liberating and it was also coming at a time when you know, we know what the pandemic's been like here, but like in countries like Senegal or developing nations around the world, it's been a whole different thing. And like mm. kind of getting over a hump in that sense, being able to be out in public, being able to celebrate in general, anything was so cathartic for the country in general. And it really was, it really was a big deal. You know, my dad, my dad, I think was in tears. I know my uncle was, it's just, it's a big deal. You know, it's not just the football because football is life there. It's just, you know, it's it's intertwined with all of that identity, feeling how you are, feeling who you are in, in an African continent in general, fifty three countries, being able to stand out in any way possible. It just matters to people. Mm, the 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 picture of Cisse on the bus, bro, <laughs> standing out with the trophy is just that's such it's a great just, image. It's an unbelievable image. It made me it made me smile so much. It still makes me smile. Which emotion did you feel like? Was it tears of joy, just super smiling? Like when that penalty goes in, what do you do? I ran out of my house. <laughs> I ran out of my house yelling. <laughs> I'm not playing, bro. No, 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 no. no. When, when Drogba made the penalty in 2012, I don't know how I ended up outside with my shirt off. But I was outside with my shirt off. I don't know how I got there. Bro, I was outside crying. Oh, crying. wow. And this is in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. So people are looking at you. They don't know what's going on, or do you have like a Senegal flag and it's kind of obvious? Or no, I mean, I, I don't know who know. I don't know if people knew or not. I'm wearing a Senegal jersey. I'm wearing a, a number ten Senegal new kit, like fresh white kit. Those things are so bad, badass. You guys should check them out, by the way, if you haven't. <laughs> but the you know, I ran outside and I'm just like, we want Afcon, we want Afcon. I'm, I'm yelling, you know, screaming it. Did you find people who, in the street that are like Senegalese as well? Or well, I know people. There's a guy. There's a guy who lives near me, who I saw a couple of days later, and we were and we you know talked about it, but yeah. no one else was really watching the the game. I don't think, unless they did, and they were not about to go run outside and celebrate like that. <laughs> what What do you think you guys can do at this World Cup? Honestly, I think we can go. We can get out of our group. Okay, that's what I'm gonna say. I don't want to say more because, <laughs> frankly, I don't want to jinx something with that bad juju. <laughs> I don't want that bad juju. My dad would my dad would kill me. And also, I mean, frankly, just being able to make it out of the group says a lot, and it, and it really puts you in a good position. If we, if we top the group, it's a whole other story. So I'm looking forward to it. I want to see us play well. I think that we have the team. We have the team 
aspect enough to play well. We don't we don't necessarily have a team full of superstars, but that's not what we need. Other teams have shown that in the past that if you have a team that works better together, that has a cohesive unit, has a good core, has experience, but young players, has flair players, you know, I think this is this will be the the best chance for this group. You know, the Koulibaly's, the Mane's, etc. Okay, so we're going to do some word association, and you're okay. going to tell me the first word that comes to your mind when I name these players. All right, let's go. Sadio Mane. Humble. Romelu Lukaku. Misunderstood. Mason Mount. Starboy. Oh, wow. Timo Werner. Sad story. <laughs> two words, but okay. John Terry. False idol. <laughs> Frank Lampard. Legend. Didier Drogba. King. So earlier you mentioned that, did I hear UConn, Connecticut, something? Connecticut so College, yeah. What did you study in university? Once your mom asked you, what are you going to do? What did you study and what was your major? All right. So I went to, as you said, I told you, I graduated high school in 2003. I went to college in 2003 as well. It's my freshman year. It was 304. At the end of that freshman year, uh, my dad took me on a trip. First of all, full disclosure, my dad's a travel agent slash tour operator. That's his job. He works with universities or private clients, whoever, just, you know, mostly focus on West Africa. I used to sit with him at the travel agency while he's printing out tickets, bro, for hours. It was interesting to me at the time, you know, seeing where people were going and stuff like that. Like, I thought that was really good. He was Expedia before Expedia? Bro, before the internet, that was his thing. <laughs> and then he had to completely pivot his whole thing. And he started, you know going out directly to universities and saying, I will handle your, you know, all of your travel trips for your arts department or your, you know, whoever, whatever it is. And then he started taking me on those, you know, when I was a senior in high school, he took me on some trip with his NYU group, his art students and great idea for me, not so great for him, but still, <laughs> stuff like that was fun. So anyways, backpack, <clears throat> back, I guess fast forward, my dad was able to take me with him on this trip to Senegal at the end of the year of 20. 2004 or rather at the end of the school year um i loved it i was like yo i'm not i'm not going back to Connecticut college i'm going to senegal and i moved there and transferred to suffolk university who had a campus in dakar spent that first i guess seven months also studying and then i was playing for the suffolk team i got seen by the u.s walkout team and they asked if i wanted to train with them i said of course like immediately <laughs> like dropped out of school dropped everything you know, bro, like I was like, yeah, done. I'm not doing anything else. Like, let's go. Next two years, that was my life. And then I uh, <laughs> had to make it back. And when I was, before I left, I was international relations major. That's what I was going to do because, frankly, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. International relations sounds like something I'd like. Great. Um, I came back and I was like, all right, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to study creative writing and journalism. And that's what I did because I wanted to write about football. I wanted to be able to, you know, write articles because i was like if i'm not going to play it i'm going to write about it you know or like mm -hmm. produce content about it whatever it is so so the plan wasn't always to do that but once you needed a plan that's the plan you you What's decided a, yeah. upon i was like what do i know the mo what do i know the most about what do i care the most about what am i most passionate about and at the time that's what that was and that's what got me into everything i've done since mm. but you you mentioned this earlier and this is a question i may be playing for later but i want to hit it while i remember it you said working in football has almost made it feel like work. <laughs> ironic. Yeah. It's ironic. 
I had the option. I, I, I did an English degree in university and I left and I was like, okay, so what do I do with this? Mm. You, know, you, you basically, you can be a teacher or you can try to, you know, be a novelist or whatever. I was like, I like sports. So let's try sports writing. I met, Bleacher Report had this program where you could just like kind of send them an article. And if you were good, they would say, write for us for a little while and then we'll pay you. I was like, ah, it's better than nothing. So let's try it. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, what sport do I write about? Like my first love is basketball. But then I thought, I like football a lot. That's my it's my second sport. But if I write about basketball, basketball then becomes work. Mm-hmm. And I don't want the thing I like most to become work. Because then what do I escape to? I don't want to have to watch NBA and be like, okay, that's a box in one. That's a triangle in two. They're playing a zone. Why are they doing that? The switches. Like, I don't feel like watching basketball and being so analytical. Like, I, I see it, but I don't feel like explaining it to people. Yeah. But football, a, a, a lot of the conversations, and, and this is maybe more critical of, of how football is, it's more like what, what a team could be rather than what it is. It's like, I can do that. So then football became a job. And eventually, you know, Bleacher Report took me on as like a freelance writer. And I was making, a, a you know, a few dollars over there. And uh, <laughs> it became work after a while. It's, it's not work that's like you decide what you do. When you become like a freelance writer, you're writing what they want you to write. So where will uh, Marco Royce go? I don't feel like writing that. But now football, Borussia Dortmund has now become work. Yeah, and, and it and it ta- after a while when you it's 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 tricky when you first start the idea of writing about sports is really fun and then at, once you get to year two three four to to me it felt it felt like you know water torture just drip 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 500 <laughs> 600 700 words 800 words every day it just it got Bro. too much so how have you dealt with making football work frankly i'm still working on it <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that was a bad question because it never stops. To be fair, that Chelsea job with Gilt Edge was a seasonal gig. So after the season, you know, they were like, we weren't, we're not, we're not going to be able to have a, the full contract that we want, so we can't keep you on, you know? And I was like, damn, like, you know, the timing was, was not great, and I was pissed about it, and I was like, I just put all this work in. Like, bro, I was – I'm not trying to toot my own horn here because I, I think – if anybody understood what the work it takes that it requires to do any of these jobs, when you know when people talk about digital content management, it's such a big umbrella position. But like I was traveling around the country, going to all their events. I was like I, literally on their schedule. You know how it's a five yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. So like posting whatever it is on the schedule that that was required, making sure that I had written you know as many words as you're saying this many words for this project you know coming up with my own projects my own content plans you know like all these things and i was like damn i put so much work into this like i put so much time so much like of my own love of the team like my own knowledge like i didn't do any research for this this is all the stuff i know about the team you know all, all that stuff that i was like wow i'm so proud to be doing this and involved like it almost made me jaded i was like damn like now like now it's just there. And even though I say like, yeah, I'm proud to see my work on the website or, you know, whatever on their social media channels, mm. it's also difficult, you know, like your words become a part of you, like your ideas become a part of you. And it's tough to leave those behind, particularly when you're working in a creative medium. And I think that there's a lot of people who probably felt at the time that like, oh, this is my baby. Like I'm working on this and I'm, I'm putting all my sweat and blood into this and I can't wait till she's grown and she's going to be so great when she's, when she's older and fully and developed. And now it's like, damn, well, 
like, yeah, it's fully developed, but I'm out of a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like, you really have to, I think you really, I think what, what, what I would say to people is appreciate it in the moment, you know, get what you can out of it. Like, don't yeah. think of it, don't think of it as work. I like, I don't want to be that jaded old man telling people don't, don't follow your dreams. If you love it, go do it. If you love yeah. it, you'll still love it. Like, and I still love it. The, the, the point is like, I'm still waking up to watch games and like, I'm, I'm almost lying to myself saying, oh, I don't, you know, I don't care as much. I'm waking up at 730 to watch games. Like, bro, like, <laughs> In another state, like while on a bachelor party, like yeah. I'm, like, I'm a hate watching. So, <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, like I feel you. I feel you. I so feel yeah, you. I don't know. It's it's evolved, but it's never it's never gonna die. I love football. I was yeah. Um. So you've worked Copa ninety, Athletic. You're with the Post now. Yeah, I was at USA Today after I worked with Eintracht US uh, in between Copa ninety and Chelsea, and then I was at USA Today after Chelsea. And you say today's sports, that is. Which uh, which which job have you found the most rewarding? Was it was, was it get was it that Chelsea one or something else? I think the most rewarding job I've had was as this is so funny, as a journalist for World Soccer Talk and then as a like live social media digital content uh, asset for Copenhagen, like going to games and getting getting you know stuff on a phone or doing vertical stuff like that. What what exactly did you do for Copa ninety? So were you you weren't on screen but off? Basically, I did there like I would go to attend games and manage social channels. So Red Bulls games, which were close, NYCFC, mm-hmm. any games that were Amer- Copa America. I think was twenty eighteen or no, it was twenty sixteen. Whatever national team games were available, I, would, I went to the the Harlem FC Chelsea FC opening. Uh, got content there, like anything that was happening. Oh, I feel like I remember that. That was like under like <laughs> under a bridge up there in Harlem, like. They put in two fields or something. Anyways, like any all this stuff like was just like I would be an on-site asset. And I, you know, I did some stuff with Aaron and uh Heath for their show, but I never was like the camera facing person, you know, like on screen for for any of that content. Um hold on, my cat needs to get in. <laughs> She's gonna whine if I don't. Shout out to the cats, man. Cats get what they want. You hear you whining out there. What do you want? <laughs> What's your cat's name? Her name is Ruby. We also have two others, one of which we're fostering because that's oh, how we wow. get down. Where do you see yourself in sports media? I don't like putting numbers on it, but like in, in the future, do you want to be running your own website? Are you cool working like for the post or whatever the case may be? Like, Well, currently it's kind of funny. Like I was at USA Today Sports. I was still doing the same thing, social and digital content management. Um, at one point I was monitoring 73 accounts, bro. No lie. Oof. Like one for every NFL team, one for every NBA team that they covered, their golf one, their USA Today regular sports. Like I'm talking every every channel I had into my tweet deck. Can you know what that's like when you go to tweet and you see you have to scroll through all of the accounts? I operate two. Bro, it is it is nerve wracking. All right. Like you oh, don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess 73? up. 73? Bro, imagine 73 accounts, and I'm, and I'm doing the NFL draft, bro, and the NBA draft. So every time there's a new tweet, because we have a, we have a <laughs> we have an article, we have an article about every single freaking tweet, bro. Yep. Every single every single pick. So I'm out, I'm up on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Double, triple, quadruple check, or is it just like yeah. I'm good enough to just like let it go? I, no I double, double, I double at minimum, bro. At minimum. But wow. that stuff is nerve wracking, bro. It makes you feel it makes you feel like you know, like you're going nuts. Oh yeah, like, like one 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 slip up and you and know. then it's just oh I have to go back and delete and like the yeah. pics are happening you know like I gotta, I gotta get this out yeah so like wow. in that sense it's uh it's always been it's that that for me is when I was like okay I'm going to the post it was 
they recruited me and i was like you know what yeah i'll leave i'll go i want i wanted a full-time position it was a contract position i was at with usa today so imagine doing all that and being a freelancer not having, not having health care not all any you know, all these things like you know feeling like you're i know you know what I mean? You know, you know. <laughs> so when this job came along, I was like, bro, yeah, you guys want to take me on full time? I'll do data analysis. I'm doing right now as an editorial analyst. They picked me because I have experience as a journalist, as a reporter, as an editor, but I've worked in the social side of it. And they want me to basically tell them what to write more about or less about based on the data that we that we show through our, you know, our metrics. So well, that's kind of dope, bro. It, it is dope, but it's it's a complete switch from everything I've done. So I have, you know, I just gotten certified in Google analytics. Like I'm taking courses, which they're paying for. So thank God I'm, I'm, I'm down to do it. <laughs> but like, you know, like I'm doing all these things that are completely antithetical to what I really got into this to do at the same time. It's kind of been a, fre- a breath of fresh air because I'm like, yo, these skills are things that I could use. And in the end, this is kind of leading me towards ba- basically having a pre- an appreciation of analytics in a way that I haven't while watching football. So <laughs> it's just a, uh, I think this is important in that step and for me what i would like to do in the end is sort of translate this into a meaningful way to to kind of expand the youth soccer setup in this country in a way that is that is inclusive that is really squeezes the juice out of the communities who really love this this game and who would love a chance to be exposed to it if only they had the means and i feel like the u.s soccer system is squashing that right now I've even worked for U.S. Soccer. I tried to write about this, and it was canceled. I don't care if you guys hear this; you can censor me if you want. <laughs> I tried to write about pay-to-play, bro, when I was when I was reach a feature writer for U.S. Open Cup, and I wanted to mention it in one of my articles, and they took it out. And and my articles no longer show up on the website, so that's dope. But I'm not jaded about it. I do have one question, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people who follow you on socials will will understand this one. How did you get so good at GIFs or GIFs? <laughs> Bro, all right, this is really funny. So when I first started, the first people, the first person, Chris Harris, God bless you, wherever you are, to give me a gig was Chris Harris, World Soccer Talk, nice guy. He literally put out a PS, a CTA on Twitter really early. And I got, I got on Twitter way back, bro. Like, I'm talking way back when I, when I first joined. Like, me and my boys at at, at school, like, we were like, yeah, this is this is something we want to be doing. Even I mean, it was just like a, it was so new. It was like this is great, mm. but I never thought it would parlay into a job. So fast forward to 2013, 2013-14 season rather, and Chris reaches out, not necessarily to me, but just says, "I'm looking for a social person. Does anybody have qualifications?" And bro, I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't have qualifications beyond my own abilities. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. I was like, I know how to work Vine. I can clip videos. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Six Second Savage, but that was my Vine name back in the day. So I was posting these clips, which at the time weren't getting restricted because Twitter hadn't hopped on that yet. On World Soccer Talk, it was, you know, I'm I'm saying via Six Second Savage, you know, which is my Vine account. Then I started saying via I'ma do it and promoting my own account, you know, Mm -hmm. because those videos were being taken from my own, my own actual Twitter or my own Vine, whatever it is. Chris was like, hey, we know what we should do is not only should we promote the account we should find a way to embed in our articles so that we can so people can find this stuff later like he wasn't like oh i don't want you doing this he was like yeah hell yeah let's do this let's jump on this completely and then that made me i dude i got motivated to learn new ways to clip stuff up and i was like well vine isn't always the best like the stop and go function of it it doesn't show you everything you want to see 
it's really not fair to the to the viewer to show them something that doesn't look clean and it also will make them want to come back if they know that you produce good quality hd gifs and gifs are basically just a series of images so i was like okay i can get good at this and i tried out so many types bro i'm telling you i downloaded things that could be youtube extensions so you can clip there like counting the frames out and deciding how long it's going to be to see how many megabytes it's going to be and you know twitter had a limit for a while and they increased it and i had to kind of really morph my own understanding of this technology and, and I guess type of media for years until I got like this perfect sort of setup where like I can I'm quick about it like I know that that matters particularly on social like you want to be up you want to be first but I'm not I also make sure I get the angle that I think is most appealing and I clip them together I zoom in I add you know slow-mos whether whatever is necessary but I, I do it very quickly These it's ways, a science bro it's an effing science and frankly I love it like it's it's made it's made me that's what one of the things i enjoyed the most was that and like you know it's not even about getting the big head it's it's just seeing your reach hmm. you know what i mean seeing how many people like i could look at my impressions it's like how how have this many millions of people seen this thing it's because people love football and because mm -hmm. of the power of like a moment that you can you can capture that people really connect with and they're like whether it's a oh that's a definitely a handball or Oh, I cannot believe you put that in that top corner. Like people will watch it over and over, and the format is just perfect for it. So, I mean, yeah. dude, when I joined the Athletic, they literally hired me to do that. The World Cup, I'm dead yeah. ass. That's what I was doing. I was gifting, and I grew them. I grew their following by fourteen thousand in under a month because of that. Because of those gifts, and like people aren't stupid. I joined. I joined MLS before I joined New York Post. Like, and I was talking to uh, Dan Stelly, their senior. Uh, senior uh, senior social person he's like you've definitely found it right he's like you found the niche and i was like what do you mean he's like dude you've been in this game i've seen your name like you've been doing this for so many years you know and you and people know that you do it you know like people know like oh if i want to give and it's a game of you know whatever time amity will have done and it's kind of wild because i fell off on that in that respect and now people will tweet at me being like yo bro where's the highlight you know <laughs> i feel I mean? that bro like <laughs> And I'm so, just like, sometimes something will happen in the game, like a piece of skill, like Loftus Chico do something. And I'm like, yeah. bro, like, isn't he supposed to? Like, where's my gift, bro? Where's my gift, bro? Yo, people will get <laughs> mad at me. Yeah, but, but yo, honestly, and this is crazy. We even, we're even talking about this. This kid, I was out in DC visiting my brother two weeks ago for Easter. Or was it three weeks ago? Well, whatever it was. Two, um, or, three. two or three. I'm down in, and, I'm, and it's, it's a beautiful day. You know, we're walking around. I'm out in the park. You know, people are sitting out, picnic tables and stuff. We're in this nice area because there's room for my, my boy and his wife when they're in their kids and we're all hanging out, right? I go, I go for a walk with my boy. I come back and I see sitting at the table next to ours. I was like, that's got to be the Chelsea training kit, bro. Like, I recognize that thing. I know it is. Like, I know the yellow stripes. Like, I know that that's this year's. Like, I've seen it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I know. So then I'm like, I'm looking over at him. He's looking over at me. And then he goes to walk the dog, and like I kind of intercept him, and I'm like, "Is that a Chelsea kit?" And he goes, "Yo, you're Amity, right?" And I go, "Step." I'm like, "What?" Oh wow! And he goes, "Bro," he's like, "I've been following you for like six years. Like, you probably don't know me, but like I, I, like I watch all your gifts. Like I've, you know, I know you're a huge Chelsea fan. He's like, I thought it was you, and I was like, "Bro, what? That type of stuff to me is insane." That's yeah, insane. That's like that's yeah. someone that, that's the kind of reach though. When I was talking about like the oh, look at them, the millions of impressions. I never thought I would meet one of these millions of impressions. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to talk about this kid like that. Keith, you're a, you're a really nice guy. It was actually great meeting you. It's not I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm saying those those impressions are people. 
those are real. Those are people, bro. Those are real people who love yeah. the game just like I do. Love the team just like I do. You know, like that. That's powerful shit, bro. I don't know. I don't know. It's just wild to me. It no, really that's is dope. wild. And that's that's kind of what got me back recently. I've been kind of like trying to post more and be more involved. Like that's the love I missed. That's what. That's the experience I missed. Was the interaction. Was the the kind of the, the community that it provided. And I'm hoping I can get that back to answer your question in a very long winded way. All right. So we we have a quick fire round. Are you okay. ready? Yep. All right. Ten questions. I think I didn't count. Uh, best best book you've read about football. Wow. You know what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with the one I read before, Complete Book of Soccer by Kyle Rowe Jr. From the 1970s. From 1978, bro. <laughs> before we were both born. Um. So what what was your first World Cup? My first World Cup was 1994 in the USA. Ooh. What do you remember from the your first World Cup? Uh, I watched what is it Spain Italy at Foxborough I think that was live that was the, live of bro. course of game. course Foxborough yes of course oh yes I was at the game uh, it was it was amazing it was an unbelievable experience and just just it just affirmed everything that I guess that my dad had told me he's like that he kept telling me he's like people he's like this game he's like it just it feels like a game and I want you to I want you to always like never let that go he's like football is is way more than just the running, the passing drills, the shooting drills you guys do in practice. He's like, people really treat it as if it's a way of life, as if, you know, because it means a lot to them. Like when I, when I watched the world cup, when I watched national teams playing against each other up close, it was, it was like confirmed. It was confirmation. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's like, for me, that was my first real taste of international football up close. A song that makes you feel good. Like anytime you hear it. I have to get this right, and I, I don't want to. I want to get this, this. I'm gonna look it up right now. It's called "Stay" by the Controllers. No, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna get this. I got. We're we're stopping this the quick fire round until I get this because I need to know. <laughs> Stay lo-fi. Stay lo-fi Stay by lo-fi. Chill Mix. But no, I have never heard that. When you said "stay," I think of Nas. I think of J Cole. I think J. of Cole. the Controllers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, bro, that's a that's a bang right there. And that when the when the rap, when he starts rapping, it. I'll tell you. It's a feel good track, but it's it's a banger straight up. Time football's made you the most. Let's start with sad. Oh my gosh, and, and, and this, this this could be in your fanship or in your playing career. E- either way. Oh wow. Okay, the injury in the University Cup Finals uh, in Guinea Bissau, two thousand six. Which what injury was it? You said your knee. Yeah, my knee. I scored uh, in the game itself, and then it went to penalties, and I was too injured to take one. We lost. Our captain hit the post, upper ninety almost. Oh man! But it just torn me up, dude. Still, I still, obviously, still to this day, really, really bothered by that. But yeah, I think that's that. Or it's two thousand nine versus Barcelona, Chelsea, Barcelona. You can pick whichever one you want. Give me, give me one second, and I think that will be the answer for this one. Time, time football's made you the most happy. 2012 Champions League final, 2021 Champions League final, and time football's made you the most mad. 2009 Barcelona. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, all things being equal, would you rather fly to a place or drive? All things being equal, as in like the comfort level. Yep, and and the distance, everything. Would you rather fly or drive? Am I flying? I know you're not flying the plane. You're on driving? the plane. Am I driving the car? Yes, you're driving the car. Drive. Okay. Would you rather win Chelsea the Champions League? And this is you as a player. Would you rather <laughs> ch- win Chelsea the Champions League 
win Senegal the AFCON or win the United States the World Cup? AFCON. He didn't even. He didn't. It wasn't even like a split second. Um, yeah. Your what's 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 your favorite skill move? Wow. To do, I like to do. I don't know double step overs. I think that's like the most. I mean, if fluid in full speed, full shift of your hips, like make, like really getting into it. The dance, the William, you know, like <laughs> where like where it actually works, and like the player is turned inside out. That's my favorite move to do. Do you think you'd be a good manager? Y'all, real talk. When I came back from Senegal, I had to go back and you know start university again, prove that I could do the work, so I could rejoin the school, kind of get college. While I was living in New Jersey, doing that, I started coaching, and I coached U twelve girls, bro, and. Honestly, that was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had in my life. And yes, I would be a good manager, I think, because those girls were ready to, to kill. You know what I mean? Okay, it was rewarding, but were you good? Is I was good. We had a, okay. I mean, we were we were two years in a row. We won not only our division, but we went to the finals both years. We lost one year. Amadino, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, the last one? The best football kit you own. Oh my god, you're gonna do that to me, bro. Yep. You know how many oh man, come on. <laughs> it's not like picking children. Oh, I do have one more question at the buzzer. Now that I mentioned children, but okay, okay, kit. okay. Uh wow. The Portobello FC kit that just arrived. Portobello FC. I'll have to look it up. Last last this this might not be a quick fire question, but this is one I wanted to ask. Which countries is your little one qualified to play for? So my Senegal, America, maybe, and is there anything else in there? My little one is qualified to play for Senegal, America, and Germany. Let's say he was good enough to play for Germany. Okay. Now, obviously, he, you know he's going to make his own decisions. But where would you steer him? Wow. <laughs> I think I'm steering him towards. I think I'm steering him towards Senegal. Because my aspiration is that by that time period, Senegal is that good. Mm-hmm. That the Generation Foot Academy, the, the other academies that are coming up, the the links with foreign teams, I think by then I, they'll be that good. They'll be challenging on the world stage on a consistent level, on, in AFCON on a consistent level. The facilities will match the, the amount of talent and the investment will match the, the sort of motivation um, for young players to get involved with the sport. I really hope that's the case. I don't know that I could push him to do that, though, because I don't necessarily think we're going to live in Senegal, but he has the eligibility. From this conversation, I get the sense that if you had made it to that level, you wouldn't have thought about it. You would have just played for Senegal. Like, that would have been your country. Yeah. For me, for me, when I was a kid, I probably would have played for Canada. But then the older I've gotten, the more consciousness I think I've had. It, it would be Uganda without even thinking. Yeah. So, like, I wonder where would I steer my kid? I, I hope Uganda. I hope I raise him well enough to where he'd play for like the motherland. But I was gonna say, if I hadn't heard, had that injury, I don't think I would have moved back. Are, are you bilingual? Can you speak French and yeah, yeah, other languages as well? And, and uh, Wolof, yeah. Cool. And Spanish and other shit, but <laughs> I have very broken French. I was in French. Um, <laughs> all right, so. What is one thing that people should know? Like, do you have something coming out, something cool that's going on in the world? What's one thing that somebody should know? This is your next 30 seconds. Well, I don't know. It's hard for me to say that people should do anything. I think that it's important that we as people recognize the community that we have 
uh, as football fans, as people who love the game, whether we support different teams, it doesn't matter that I hate Tottenham fans' guts. I still think that they're part of you know the same community. I expect them to hate my guts too when it's time to play. But at the same time, like some of the most enriching and, and important and familial relationships I've had have come through football. And it's really been something that with the Super League and particularly with the pandemic, like and, and the way people have not people, but the powers that be have tried to force things down fans' throats and take away the purity that of that game. Like I don't think that's ever really gonna happen. I mean it doesn't have to only be played on Saturday mornings on in the Premier League. You know, you can always go outside with the ball. It's such a low cost or to entry kind of game. Um and yeah. the beauty the beauty of that will never be taken away. So really just kind of invest in yourselves, invest in each other and you know love this game for what it is and really squeeze the juice out of it. I see a lot of people making moves that I'm proud of, people who I've known who've just entered this kind of space. And I think there's always room for for growth and I really hope to, to see it happen and be a part of it in the coming future. Oh, that's a good way to end. So tell the people where they can find you on the internet if you want to be found. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Amadouit, double underscore. That's A-M-A-D-O-I-T, double underscore. Um, there's too much of my writing in too many different places, but I, I, I don't write very often now these days. So it's been a while since I've actually put pen to paper, so to speak. But if you want to, you can find my work at Howler magazine or howler.com you can find it at usopencup.com on the u.s soccer website you can find it i think in the athletic as well um and chelsea website but it won't be under my name so there's just a lot <laughs> i don't really know cool all right thanks for listening guys we'll see you guys next week talking with somebody peace 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 sports social podcast network